Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. We are right in the middle of a quick series all about the four language domains and going a little more in depth on each domain to see how we can better support our English language learners and take those small steps to success. Now, before we dive into today's topic, I want to read this iTunes review from Kathia. She says, fantastic resource. Ever since I heard my first podcast, I've been hooked. I took a 14-hour trip to Florida over the winter break and listened to all your podcasts. I listen to them in my morning commute. I love all the information shared and the resources that come with each podcast. Thank you so much, Katya, for sharing your review and letting us know how Equipping ELL's podcast has been helping you. And because your review was read on the show, you have won a month free to my Equipping ELLs membership. So reach out to us and we'll get you set up with that. And don't forget that you can have an opportunity to win as well a free month to Equipping ELLs just by leaving a review on any episode of the Equipping ELLs podcast. All right, today we have a lot to cover. Now, we know that reading is just, there's so much when it comes to reading. So we will only be able to scratch the surface today. But I'm excited about the things I want to share with you because I think as an ESL teacher, sometimes it can be really confusing and really overwhelming to know how to show up and support these students that are struggling with reading or are learning to read, especially if you haven't had the background and the training of teaching a student to read. First, I'm going to highlight some key findings that I've been doing in research. I'm always on the lookout for more research on, you know, the science of reading, how to help 
readers, especially when it comes to multilingual learners. And sadly, I feel like this is an area that there's a lack in. We're seeing more and more research come out about how to just help a student read, but not all of that is applicable to our English language learners and working. And when we're working with students who are learning English along with reading, it's it can be very different. So we're going to cover some Um, Maybe we'll call them some misconceptions, some tricky things about why it is difficult to teach ELL students to read and move into comprehension and why that could be tricky. And then we're going to just cover the stages so that if you don't have the background of how to teach someone to read, but you're expected to do that, I'm going to quickly go over the stages of reading. And then at the end, I'll be sharing what to expect at the different language levels and some really quick and practical tips that you can do in your groups to help support those students. So like I said, we have a lot to cover today, so let's get going. All right, so the first thing, let's talk about why is it so tricky to teach ELLs to read? Okay, we we kind of, we've seen now a systematic approach to teaching monolingual students to read. We're seeing some success in some areas and some students really still struggle. But when it comes to our ELLs, it is tricky. And why is that? The first reason I think that it's really tricky to teach ELLs to read is because research shows that our students need to have the oral skills to read. They need to have a mental lexicon of English vocabulary, and we cannot push them to read if they do not have that first. I know what happens in the school is we have a student come in and we right away feel like, ah, they're behind. They need to start reading. We need to start doing letter sounds right away. It sounds silly that we're doing this, but I know this is happening. Right now, the student I'm working with, this is exactly what's happening. She's three months into the school year, and we're, as teachers, saying, she's not making growth. She's not reading CBC words. She's not doing sounds yet. And as I'm going in deeper into research and realizing she shouldn't be, and it's okay. She needs the time and space to develop an English lexicon. She needs to start speaking so that when she reads these words, it's making sense. She has that vocabulary to connect it to. English is tricky. Reading English is tricky. I want to highlight something real fast just to kind of show you how tricky English is. Let's look at a few of the main languages that are spoken, okay? So we have Italian. Italian has 33 phonemes. And the number of ways to spell the sounds are 25. Spanish has 35 plus phonemes and 38 ways to spell the sounds. French has 32 phonemes and 250 plus ways to spell the sounds. Now, are you ready for this? English has 44 plus phonemes and 1,100 plus ways to spell the sounds. So when we're diving right in and we're saying, okay, we need you to start right away with letters and sounds. We need to start just going hard on phonics right away. That is not what our newcomers need. If we don't give them the space to learn oral skills, this is why I wanted to do this series because they're all so connected. We need to focus on all four domains all the time. So like I've mentioned, if we are not building that listening comprehension these skills aren't going to come easily. It's going to be a struggle. If we're not pushing them to speak, reading and writing are going to be a struggle. So this is the first thing that makes it tricky because naturally the ways our schools are set up is to push kids to go faster 
and harder and get there as quick as possible. But I'm telling you something we need to be looking at when we're working on reading skills with our students is, are we giving them the space to build oral literacy skills and build the foundation in English? That's where we have to start. And we're going to get, we're going to get more into this in a minute, but I just want to cover Why is this so tricky? English is just tricky. And then we're adding in learning English along with reading. So some other studies that I've come across, there are so many studies that show how beneficial and how successful it is for our students when they read in their native language first and transfer over. And I'm sure you can think of students that you've worked with who maybe they are in fifth grade and they're already reading in, let's say their native language is Spanish. Okay. They come to you and they're already reading in Spanish and you can see how quickly and easily the transfer is for them because they have comprehension skills in Spanish. They have decoding skills in Spanish, so they can apply that in English. Now, the problem is here is we don't always have the setup for our students to be able to do. If you're not a native Spanish speaker, it's very hard to teach a native Spanish speaker how to read in Spanish. So we just don't have the space to do this well. And I've seen sometimes where they try to do it a little bit and almost that's worse because then the students come out with not really having a strong foundation in their native language and not having a foundation in in English. And so they're kind of in this in-between of not really being strong in either. So this does work, but we have to do it the right way. And that's the beauty of doing something like dual language where you're, you're developing those skills in their native language to transfer. Now, this doesn't work for all languages. If it's a language where it it is not similar, like Chinese, for example, developing their native language skills is not going to help them to transfer because it is so different. So it's really we're focusing on those languages that are similar to English, those Latin languages that can easily be applied and transferred. But in our schools, we don't have the setup oftentimes to have the time and space to give them to develop their native language skills. And so transfer, even though it's super successful and works really well, it doesn't work for many of our students because we don't have that set up for them. Should we do it at all? That's a question you have to ask yourself. If you're a native Spanish speaker, then you might have some opportunities to help them develop those skills. But if you're not, then really it's not your place to try to focus on their native skills. And this is where you're going to wanna just really provide the support and scaffolds in English. So another reason why this is tricky is because there is so much going on, so many debates happening around the topic of reading. And this can be feel overwhelming and frustrating. And to me, it's kind of just confusing of why it has to be one or the other, why it has to be, um, you know, the whole model approach of literacy or direct instruction of phonics or Um, it just can get really confusing as a teacher to know what should I be doing? Am I doing what they need or not? Recently, Krashen, who I referred to just a couple episodes ago, and someone I highly respect, he came out with an article saying that phonics doesn't have to be taught directly. And that it's, you know, like we talked about a couple episodes, the, the comprehensible input is the same for phonics and they'll learn it through engaging with it. And do I think that that phonics should be taught in context and in, you know, in ways that our students can comprehend and understand and really attach to what they're learning and see it 
in real life? Yes. But as I go into research, and a lot of this research I'm referring to is from the book, How the ELL Brain Learns by David A. Sousa. It's a must-have, just a great book to refer back to as there's just so much confusion going around. I love going back to what does the brain research say. And what he really hits on is that the human brain is not born with the insight to make sound to letter connections, nor does it develop naturally without instruction. Our human brain has been created to listen and speak. That's why comprehensible input is, it works because our brains are developed to do that. Our brain has, it's it's learning how to work on reading and writing. That's why it is difficult because we're training our brain. And there's so many parts of the brain that go into the reading process. So that is so crucial to understand that. And this is why I do believe that direct instruction of phonics is necessary for our ELL students. I don't think it needs to be done with, you know, killing them with phonics. I, I've talked to some teachers that are in equipping LLs and they're saying, I'm doing 90 minutes of phonics a day. I have to do this. The student gets phonics with the reading intervention teacher. And now I have to give the student phonics as well. I do not think giving them 90 minutes a day of phonics is what is going to help them. That's ridiculous. Their brain needs a break. But I do think if you're doing phonics with the visual support, with with the audio, with motions, you're naturally doing it in context. You're pointing it out in the hallway. Oh, if we're learning, you know, as you're as you're focusing on different phonic skills, pointing them out, using them in context, engaging with them through readings that they can relate to. When you're doing it with that approach, then that is so helpful for your students. If you're doing a kill and drill of phonics without a visual support, without them hearing the sound over and over naturally practicing the sound, then it, it is a waste of your time. That's why I wanted to hit on the direct instruction phonics. It is helpful. It is necessary. If your reading intervention teachers are working on phonics skills with your ELLs, then I don't think that should be your place. I think that you should leave that up to the reading intervention teacher and your job is to focus on the language development. But I know a lot of you are being pushed into becoming the reading intervention because you're being forced to really focus on reading skills with your ELLs, which is why I want to spend some time focusing on this. Let's go into some research that's come out really focusing on what are the stages that our, our students need to walk through to develop reading skills. And like I said, with our ELLs, the first place we need to focus on is developing oral skills. We need to be building that, that mental vocabulary word bank as much as possible. These first couple months of school with your newcomers, you should be having them talk, engage, doing everything orally, repeating, constantly doing a lot of gestures, a lot of just hearing, hearing words um, with pictures. You want to be expanding that word bank as quickly as possible. That's where you begin with your ELLs. That's not here on the reading rope, but that's the first place, in my opinion, you need to really focus on. And I want you to take a minute and think about that for a second. How much time and space do you give for your students to develop those skills before you move into, okay, we need to move on to letters, sounds. I see this all the time in Facebook groups. I have a newcomer. What should I do? Oh, start with letters. 
No, that's not where you start. They don't need, how is that going to help them survive learning English if they say, if they're lost in the hallway and they can say, oh, well, I know the letter A says, ah, that doesn't help them. They need survival skills. Really just think through the process here of learning a language. Okay. So we want to start with survival skills. We want to give them tons of vocabulary. Now, along with this, even if they're not working on reading skills yet, if you're doing read alouds and scaffolding that, that is a great way for them to develop reading skills through listening. So don't underestimate the power of a good read aloud. And if you want some scaffolded read alouds done for you, we can put some links in the show notes. Let's talk about the Scarborough reading rope. Okay, this is a visual model that helps explain the different skills and processes involved in reading. I had a guest on um, back last September, Sarah Mari. It was a two-part episode. If you are interested in more about this and going way more in depth on science of reading, we'll link those in the show notes because she did a fantastic job. She is a expert in this um, and really talks through all of the components of reading, but I want to quickly go over them because I know as a teacher, we kind of need to know this and sometimes we forget. So this was created, this new model or this new approach, this visual model. That's why I really love it because of the visual piece to it. It was created by literacy expert Hollis Scarborough in 2001. So the beauty of this is that this rope is divided into two main sections. Now you can go and Google this and see the picture of it to help you see visually what this looks like. Okay, so these are, it's divided into two main sections. We have the word recognition strand and the language comprehension strand. And why I think this is important is because we, at least when I was teaching reading in the younger grades or with newcomers or whatever grade they were, we focused on beginning with the word recognition. And we spent many months, even sometimes years, on developing readers through the word recognition, but we left out the language comprehension. And the point of this is that they both need to be part of your reading lessons. They both have value and purpose and they need to be done together so that we are weaving them into one strand. So let's talk about what falls under the word recognition strand, okay? This includes phonological awareness, decoding, sight recognition, and spelling. Phonological awareness refers to the ability to recognize and manipulate the sounds in language. If you have not heard of or are using Hegarty phonics, I believe this is one of the best and easiest ways to develop readers with your ELLs is to do their phonological awareness activities. It was called it the blue book because it can be done in 10 minutes or less a day and it's all done orally. And so for your ELLs, this is so huge for them to be playing around with words, to play around with sounds. They're using gestures, they have motions. The, the newest ones they put out, they even have a video where, so the lady, you could play the video and she goes through it all with them. This is something that's not that expensive that you should definitely be using to develop literacy skills with your ELLs through oral activities. We can link that as well, Hegarty Phonics. So we start there with phonological awareness. We move into decoding. Decoding is the process of using phonics to sound out and recognize words. Then we move into sight word recognition. Now these are not just, okay, we start here, here, here. We can be doing a lot of these all together at once, okay? 
Sight word recognition is the ability to quickly recognize words by sight without sounding them out. Now, this was a shift for me because I had always learned, okay, your sight words, you have to memorize them all. Well, guess what? There's a lot of sight words that actually are decodable. So we're kind of switching this now to high frequency words. And there's a a podcast episode on this, if you want to go more in depth on that. And then we also have a high frequency word resource specifically created for ELLs. If you want to check on that as well. Um, We have a lot going on in the show notes today. (laughs) So the last thing is spelling. Spelling involves being able to spell words correctly. Okay. So all of these things are going on as we're working on reading skills with your students. And it can feel overwhelming, I know. But a lot of these things can be done if you build routines and habits that can be done in 10 minutes or less a day. I mean that. Now, we're weaving in the word recognition with a language comprehension strand, okay? So as we're focusing on these word recognition skills, we're also focusing on language comprehension, which is building background, vocabulary, language structure, verbal reasoning, and literacy knowledge. Now, this is even more vital for your older newcomers or your older ELLs that you're working with, because this is the shift that we've had now. Before people assumed, okay, by fourth grade, you already know the word recognition part. So many of the older teachers, you might not know how to teach the word recognition part, but you're now you're finding that you're having students, especially post-COVID, who have do not have that foundation. They really need support in word recognition, along with language comprehension. So you want to spend time because if they're trying to read grade level content, you need to focus on the comprehension piece, but they still need your word recognition piece as well. So background knowledge refers to what a reader already knows about a subject. The best way you can support your ELL students with content is to spend a good amount of time building background, connecting to prior knowledge, and front-loading vocabulary. You have to get their brain ready for what they're going to read. Otherwise, when they go to read that activity, and if you, if that passage, and if you haven't spent any time on it, you're wasting your time. They're now approaching this passage without any support, and they're going to miss meaning. They're going to miss understanding. It's just a waste of time. But if you spend the time to do the proper things, to front load them, to get them ready, you're going to see the difference in how they can comprehend that material. Vocabulary refers to the words a reader knows and understands. Language structures refer to the grammar and syntax of language. Verbal reasoning refers to the ability to understand and make inferences from text. Literacy knowledge refers to the reader's overall knowledge about how language works and how to use it effectively. There is a lot going on when you're teaching a student to read. I mean, it feels overwhelming. I think the biggest thing we need to do is take a deep breath and slow down. We need to give our students the time and space to play with words, to understand words, to understand meaning, to build vocabulary. We need to give them that opportunity in a variety of ways. Both the word recognition and language comprehension strands are intertwined and work together to help readers make meaning from text. 
if you're working with a newcomer, you're working with a student who is just learning to read, you, yes, you might focus more on your word recognition piece, but you can still increase the language comprehension skills by doing read alouds, by even using passages that are above their reading level, but breaking it down to highlight the vocabulary, to use pictures to support, to build that background. Doing all of that is so necessary to develop the skills. You don't want to build a reader that can decode, but then they get into third grade and they have no comprehension skills. You want to develop both of these at the same time. You're probably thinking this is too much to do at once. (laughs) I get that. So let's break it down by language level. And then some, and I want to provide you with some really practical things that you can do so that you can just kind of pinpoint the areas that your students need support in. Because I know, I know it can get overwhelming, but that's what I'm here for, to help. All right, so for our level one, our entering students, what to look for. These students, at first, they might not have any foundation of language or of literacy skills in English. You could check to see if they are able to read in their native language. If they're a younger student, they probably don't have that background. Um, Maybe they know some letters and sounds, but probably not reading yet. If they're an older student, that's a great assessment to do to see if they are able to read in their native language, because that's going to then be a clue if they can transfer over or not. Otherwise, it's no, there's no sense in developing and supporting them in their native language if they don't have that foundation yet. So at this point, you're entering students, eventually they're going to start to begin to recognize and understand environmental print. Maybe they're able to start identifying the letters in their name. And then, you know, eventually they they hopefully will be able to start identifying some sounds. Now, how should you provide support? So going back, hitting on the point is giving them plenty of opportunities to develop vocabulary in English first. Okay. Work on oral skills. Then you can begin with basic English picture vocabulary cards before beginning working on letters and sounds. Start with the letters in their name. And like I said, doing things like the phonemic awareness activities from Hegarty, things like that, that it's oral. There's not that pressure to have to write or to read. They don't see it. They're just doing everything in their brain. That's going to be so helpful for them to help transfer to when they are reading with seeing the visual part of it. For your emerging students, they're able to read and understand that's very limited, but they are able to do it if it's recently been practiced or it's familiar or they've memorized it. They might be able to identify a variety of the sounds with increasing confidence, especially when it comes with a picture. Standalone sounds are not going to be very helpful at this stage. How can you provide support? Focus on listening and speaking activities to build schema before reading. I hope that that is a point that is being hit home here in this episode. And then use picture books or books with simple language and illustrations. So again, anytime you can take a book, take a familiar book, talk about it, um, give them opportunities to just discuss it, talk about it before you get into reading. This is so important. For your level three students, your developing students. They are going to begin to understand comprehension of grade level stories if they have predictable storylines, familiar topics, concrete vocabulary, short sentences. So with this, really what's going to be important is 
does the student have familiarity with this topic or is this a new topic? Um, that's going to help you gauge of how much support that student's going to need. They are growing in understanding of basic English language structures, of comprehension skills, of decoding skills, those types of things. Now, going back to the emerging, I just want to hit on. So by this stage, you should be, you know, it's okay to start bringing in the letters and sounds, but play with the language, have fun with it, do rhyming words. Um, there's so many games that you can do to develop literacy skills. Make it fun. Do not just try to kill and drill phonics all day, but really find ways. Do sensory bins for younger kids. Use Play-Doh. Just make it a interactive experience is, as they're learning these sounds. That's going to help their brain really remember them much better. Going back to developing what you can do to support these students, find texts that are relatable to your students. So finding things they're interested in or finding things that they already have background knowledge about is going to be really helpful for their comprehension, front-level vocabulary, and reread the text or the book multiple times for increased comprehension. This is why I absolutely love close reading because they're doing different levels of skills each time they read. And it's so important for our students to build their confidence by rereading a text, not just seeing it once. And now their brain has to do all the work again the next time they approach a new text. But now once you've already built that background and front-loaded that vocabulary and they've, they've listened to it read to them, now the next time they're going to be ready to come. And there are a lot of that, that stuff that's so heavy on their brain and just exhausting. They've already done it the first time. So now they're ready to approach this in a different way and they can work on different skills. So reread is really crucial at this skill at this stage. For our expanding students, they are able to demonstrate comprehension of most main points and ideas in grade appropriate read alouds. So with time, they're really going to start to develop those skills to be able to understand and comprehend. Um, and with support, they can, they can decode most grade appropriate English text. Now, this is where it can get really tricky with our ELLs because a lot of times they might be able to decode and read but we need to check in on comprehension. Are they understanding what they're reading? And you might have a child you're thinking of right now. I know that I am where it looks like they were reading proficiently, but their understanding was not there. So what are some things you can do at this stage? A great way, really your level three or four, when you're working on comprehension skills, giving them an opportunity to discuss it. If you have more than one student that speaks that language, let them listen to the story, let them read the story and respond and discuss with the partner in their native language and then come back and respond to you in English. Giving them that extra opportunity to respond and comprehend in their native language is going to help their comprehension and it's going to help them be able to engage with the text more. So don't be afraid to allow them to use their native language here to solidify comprehension, to discuss what they're reading and then respond to you in English. Another thing that you can do to provide support is to use graphic organizers for a visual connection and literacy or content areas. I always recommend to use the same organizer for the same topics pretty frequently until you see that they've really established that skill. And then you can try to use a new one, but we want that visual connection. We want them to see the same graphic organizer and for their brain to say, okay, yes, when I see this, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm looking for. Now, there was a book I read, The Knowledge Gap, I believe it was, where she really hit on a point of switching, not saying, okay, this week we're talking about main idea in detail. 
For our ELLs, that doesn't work to really explicitly directly just say here is the topic we're talking about because it's very abstract. So flipping that and and really using your passage, using your reading to engage them and then pull out those strategies and show them within the context what is main idea in detail. So really focus and and kind of take a look at your lessons this week and see, are you focusing on the strategy or are you focusing on the reading? And then pulling the strategy out of that is helpful for our students. And then lastly, our bridging students, what to look for. Your students are speaking nearly fluently. They're reading pretty accurately at grade level. You know, there might be some misunderstanding depending on the grade level they're in. And when you're getting into different genres and different styles of reading with, you know, poetry or with nonfiction text, they might still need some support. So just be on the lookout for that. Their mental lexicon is really expanded. And so the reading is becoming more fluent for them. How to provide support at this level. You will want to do things like text engineering. And we have a guest coming on in two weeks. That's going to be sharing more about text engineering and the power behind that. So that's a great skill to do, especially with more difficult grade level text or things like novels that, you know, can just feel very overwhelming for some of our students, how we can break that down where they're still really focusing on their reading skills, but it's something that's very doable to them. And then for this level, you want to really use reading as a bridge to writing because writing is going to be the last domain that's developed. It's the most difficult to do. And so we want to, you know, really make that connection between reading and writing, using mentor text as we get into writing and just really for them to see the clear connection between the two. I hope I didn't leave you too overwhelmed with our reading domain today. There's just so much to cover. There's always new research coming out. If you've gone to a webinar or read a book or an article about reading and specifically relating to how we can support ELLs through reading skills, please send it my way. I am always on the lookout for more and more research on this topic, um, and I'm hopeful that more will come out because we need to know how to best support our English language learners in their reading skills. And keep in mind that at the end of the day, our purpose for doing all of this is because we want to build readers. We want to build students who enjoy reading. And so really look at our lessons that we're doing. We don't want to push this pressure on them or make them feel like they're behind. We want to just inspire them and give them a love for reading. I always think back to Ben Carson and you know his story of how he overcame poverty was because his mom made him go to the library multiple times a week and he just became an avid reader. So at the end of the day, as we're focusing on these skills, we want to keep that in mind that we want to make these students who are just have a love for reading. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But thanks so much for listening to today's episode. And next week, we will be back with the writing domain. So we'll be talking about all things writing. And then in two weeks, like I said, we'll have, be having a guest speaker come on and share more about some strategies that you can easily use across all grade levels, across all language levels that will help support all domains for your language learners. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. 
you're looking for even more support and done-for-you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then, take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.